0: An earthly nurse sits and sings, And I, she sings a lily ween. And little can I'm my baron's father, Far less the land where he dwells in. For he come one night to her bed feet, And a grumbly guest, I'm sure was he, Saying, here am I, thy baron's father, Although I be not comely. I am a man upon the land, I am a silky on the sea, and when I am far and far frae land, my home is in sul And he has ta'en a purse of gold, and he had placed it upon her knee, saying, Give to me, my little young son, and take thee up thy nurse's fee, and it shall come to pass on a summer's day when the sun shines bright on every stain, I'll come and fetch my little young son and teach him how to swim the fame. And ye shall marry a gunner good and a right fine gunner I'm sure he'll be. And the very first shot that air he shoots will kill both my young son and me. From an old Shetland balance.
1: lovely people out there in the hinterlands. It's Rock and Max, and we're going to be your guide along the northern seas and rocky shores here on Nightmares and Daydreams. Greeting everyone, welcome.
0: As always, Rock and I are going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, legendary, and monstrous. And inevitably, fun. Fun.
1: Always fun, Max. But do you know what's not fun? I do, but say it anyway so that they know too. Shape shifting seals that transform into beautiful men and women that haunt the dreams of humans but ultimately abandon them. Always got to be a butt. Indeed. There's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm going to leave it be for now. I can't express how disappointed I am in you, rock. <laughs> okay, gang, today we're talking about selkies, those horrid wear seals that are the scourge of the seven seas. Are you sure you're not talking about manatees? Those things got a vicious streak a mile wide. Nope, just vile, shape-shifting wear seals I'm pretty sure they steal babies as well. Okay, I assume you're talking
0: about Little Baby Jamie uh-huh. and Secret of Ron You know that that baby was
1: not stolen. He was just with a different part of the family. You'll say anything to get our listeners to watch that movie, which has a Rotten Tomato rating that is <laughs> far inferior to the Disney classic Darby O'Gill and the Little People.
0: Does it really, though?
1: I'm sure it does. I mean, leprechauns and Sean Connery rule. <laughs> You're just guessing. Can I get a what-what? Let's talk about Selkies <laughs> instead of your weird leprechaun <laughs> fetish. You're the one that's part Selkie, remember? Getting frisky with the seals runs in your family, son. <laughs> Freaks in the house. That's how we roll, son. All right. Okay. Back to Selkies. Let us focus, my man. Yes. Today we're gathering about Selkies
0: and their Gaelic counterpart, the Rhone. Same thing, Max. Actually, in this case, you're basically right,
1: for once. I'm never wrong. One time I thought I was, but I was wrong, so I was right. And moving on. So tell us about selkies, Maxie. What are they? Well, selkies,
0: and roan for that matter, are basically what you just described a minute ago. They are seals. In fact, the word selkie derives from the old Scots word selie, which is just the word for seal. But in the lore of Scotland, Orkney, Shetland... All those
1: are in Scotland, Max. Quit flexing your geography skills.
0: Well, technically they are, but, you know, not really. Our Orcadian listeners are going to be sending you some angry
1: emails, methinks. Listen, I don't care what angry emails our Orc listeners send me. (laughs) Plus, every Orc I know ain't got access to a computer machine. Okay, I never said Orcs. I said Orcadian. Whatever. (laughs) Moving on. So anyways,
0: Scotland and Ireland. What about Scotland and Ireland? I'm getting to it. So, in Ireland... Well, I think Selkie is you some, Roan is the Gaelic word for the same type of being. In the lore of these countries, the seals, primarily gray seals, can transform into human shape.
1: Ware seals taking over the seven seas, disrupting shipping, commercial fishing, and luxury vacations.
0: Man, you really have it in for the Selkies,
1: don't you? Uh-huh. Well, you
0: got it in for the Selkies?
1: What the hell? Come on, man. Well, you remember, right? Remember what? Our leprechaun episode. Uh, yeah, what about it? How quickly you forget, mon frere. Remember how you were bad mouth and leprechauns and going on and on about how Selkies rule for what seemed like the entire episode? Yeah, I have no memory of that. It's because you're suspect.
0: Man, I just made the comment, the hmm. legitimate comment, on how Secret of ronin is objectively better than Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Fact. That's just
1: like your opinion, man. Can we just... Agree that they're both great family movies. Roan Inish is a movie about were seals, which automatically makes it a horror movie, right up there with an American werewolf in Paris. Man, that movie was horrible. And I rest my case. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Let's get back to Saki, <laughs> shall we?
1: Since you asked so nicely. All right. First question. How do they transform? Is it a witchcraft-type thing, like the skinwalkers of the Navajo, or a form of terianthropy, a curse? What is it? They take off their seal skins, or sometimes just a seal skin hood, and underneath, they're human. That's interesting. You know, kind of reminds me of the wolfskin belt from our werewolves episode. Put that belt on, and boom, you got the power of a wolf. And that's a gift from the devil himself. So, Max, are Selkie's fairy. Well... Everything in the Celtic country seems to get lumped into that category.
0: Although, personally, I don't consider them to be fae in the strictest sense.
1: Well, the OG folklore's Catherine Briggs disagrees with you, son. She includes them in the renowned Encyclopedia of Fairies. I will always bow to the great expertise
0: of Madame Briggs. smart For the record, they are also included in Brian Froud's Fairies. So, legally, uh-huh. I guess you're on more or less... Kind
1: of shifty sand, solid ground. Yeah, just say that they are. Because they are. Okay. (laughs) So in the poem at the beginning, the language is a little confusing. Can you expound for us? That's poetry for you. (laughs) Scottish poetry, no joke. So yeah, it's a story from Orkney. Those damn orcs again. Yes, it is. From Orkney, not orcs. I told you it's part of Scotland. Here you go showing off again. It is, I know. Let's move on, please. 30 Love. What? What? two points for me selkies are fairies and orkney's part of scotland boom rock is winning y'all killing me smalls (laughs) paybacks are hell i'd fight for the honor of darby O'Gill. moving on so tell us the prose version you studied it it's interesting actually because the story is of a male selkie which is somewhat less common though you know obviously not unknown according to the lore yeah we'll get into the more typical tales in a minute lovely listeners So there's that young Orcadian woman, this young, strong Orc woman.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just stop. Orcadian is just a person from Orkney, people, not an Orc. Let's just establish that right now.
1: Okay, yeah. A young Orcadian woman who marries a deadly were-seal, seal man, a selkie, but he leaves shortly after they get married. And she, of course, gets pregnant and has a son. Fairies are fertile. Just not with each other. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So she's crying for her lost love and rocking her infant son on the rocky shore when a gray seal beaches itself and comes up to her. And he says in the words of the ballad, I am a man upon the land, I am a selkie in the sea, and when I am far from every strand, my dwelling's in sul So then she realizes that this seal is, in fact, her husband. Exactly. He's talking, so she figures. But <laughs> then he leaves again. Bastard. You know, maybe he has a sweet nine-to-five job with great benefits back in Selkieville. <laughs> All that said, he comes back when the kid is seven years old. Skip the potty training. Smart man, seal, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when he comes back, he puts a gold chain around the kid's neck. Gold chain? What the hell is that? What kind of message does that send? <laughs> it's like, yo, I haven't seen you ever... But I'm here, and here's a priceless, selkie relic. Trying to buy his affection. I feel you. Oh, gangster. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's an amulet of protection, like protection from sharks or something. I guess that's acceptable. It should have been a,
0: a protection from bullets, apparently. Mm-hmm. Show is sad. When he visits his kid and gives him the gold chain, he doesn't stay?
1: No, he leaves. He takes off back into the sea. But get this, he takes the kid with him. Dang, poor woman, left alone. Do they come back? Well, as the ballads say, she marries a human man, a good guy from the sound of it. And her husband goes out hunting and bags himself a couple of seals. Oh no, not good news, I'm guessing. Nope, two seals, a larger one and a smaller one, and the smaller one has that gold chain around its neck. Tragic, sad man. But you know, Max, human fairy romances never end well. Neither do human selkie romances, it seems. Uh, dude, you gotta let it go, my man. Deadly selkies are fay. Deal with it. Never. <laughs> Let's hear another story. Let's do it. In the village of Kilshanig, two miles northeast of Castle Gregory, there once lived a young man named Tom Moore, a fine dancer and no poor singer either. The people of the area often heard him singing among the cliffs and in the fields at night. Tom's father and mother died, and he was alone in the house and began to think of finding a wife when early one morning he saw the finest woman ever seen in that part of Ireland. She was sitting atop a rock, fast asleep. The tide was out, and Tom was curious to know who she was, so he approached. Wake up! If the tide comes on, you'll drown. She looked up, but just laughed. Tom shrugged and left her there, but as he walked home, he couldn't stop thinking of her and her unearthly beauty, and he constantly looked back. He tried to work in the fields, but as the tide began to come in, he threw down his spade and ran for the place he'd left her. But as he ran to the strand, she slipped into the sea, and he saw no more of her. He cursed himself for not taking the woman from the rock, thinking that God had sent her to him. He couldn't work the rest of the day for thinking of her. He didn't sleep that night either. The next morning he was up at dawn to see if she'd return, and she was there. He called out to her again. She didn't answer, so he climbed up the rock. You may as well come home with me now, Tom Moore said. The woman didn't say a word. He snatched the hood from her head and said, I'll take that. At that moment she cried out, Give me back my hood, Tom Moore. Indeed I won't, he said. For was God sent you to me, and now that you have speech, I am well satisfied. And taking her by the arm, he led her to the house. The woman cooked breakfast, and they sat down together to eat. Now, in the name of God, you and I will go to the priest and get married, for the neighbors around here are nosy, and they'd be talking up a storm if we didn't. So after breakfast, they went to the priest, and Tom asked him to marry them. She was a good wife, and she lived with Tom for seven years, giving him three sons and two daughters. One day, Tom was plowing, and the plow's rigging broke. He went to the house and started rummaging through the loft, thinking there were bolts up there he could use to fix it. He threw down bags and ropes, looking for the bolts. And what else should he throw down but the very hood which he'd taken from his wife seven years before? She saw it the instant and fell, grabbed it up, and hid it. And at that time, people heard a great seal roaring out at sea. Ah, she said, that's my brother looking for me. The next day, when Tom was at work, his wife swept the house, put everything in order, washed the children, and combed their hair. Taking them one by one, she kissed them. Then she went to her rock, put on her hood, and disappeared into the sea. At that moment, a big seal rose and roared so that people ten miles away could hear him and Tom's wife swam away with the seal. All five children she left had webs between their fingers and toes, halfway to the tips. The descendants of Tom Moore and the seal woman are living near Castle Gregory to this day, and the webs are not yet gone from between their fingers and toes, though they are decreasing with each generation.
0: So, definitely the more traditional Selkie Bride story here. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't really sit well with modern moral standards, but... Well, let's face it. Our ancestors were bastards. Exactly. We talked about this in the fairy abductions episode. Mm
1: -hmm. Episode 5, I think. Yep. Ain't right to kidnap folks against their will, y'all. Be they fairy or mortal. But one noteworthy thing about Selkies
0: is they are considered among the most amenable of the fairy peoples. Well, they're
1: nice, and you're admitting that they're fairies now. Good. Shut up. I'm going along with it for the sake of efficiency. Right, right. But you're right about them being among the friendlier peoples of the Fae. For example, merfolk and sirens are constantly drowning ships. Sea folk just hang out and either look for humans to have a little fun with, or let themselves be wed to humans that are out trying to snag a spouse.
0: Yep. And they don't even try to get revenge. Nope. At least not in any of the stories I've read. Humans are just kidnapping them... Or shooting their family members to eat and whatnot. Gross. They just mourn and move on.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'd be making breakfast for some dude that just jacked my hood to keep me from swimming away. Maybe add a little arsenic in that breakfast porridge. (laughs) Definitely not. Yeah, me neither. But sometimes humans and seal folk work together. Did they? Are you thinking of a particular story? I am. Do tell. Men from Papa Stour, one of the Shetland Islands, frequently hunted seals on the V Skerries. Once a seal hunter named Herman Perk was on the rocks there when an unexpected storm swept him into the Atlantic. His companions who were in the boat had all they could do to save their own lives, and it looked like Herman was doomed. But when the men landed at last on their island, they were amazed to find him seated at the fireside. He had been carried to Papa's store on the back of a great seal, who had made him a bargain as the cold waves crept up to him on the scary. A little while before, the seal man's wife had been caught on Papa. Her skin was even then hanging in a fisherman's hut. If you promise to get that skin and give it to me, said the seal, I will carry you safely home. As soon as Herman reached Papa, he searched for the skin and took it to the beach. There, beside the seal who had saved him, was a beautiful nude woman. She hurriedly enveloped herself in the skin, then plunged joyously into the sea with her companion.
0: Nice. Glad to see we can all get along sometimes.
1: Exactly.
0: I just have one question. What's that? So we came upon this word before, but for the sake of our lovely listeners, what's a scary... For the sake
1: of our listeners, huh? Not doing your homework? (laughs) Totally. I mean, I know what it is. Uh Uh-huh. Then tell me. (laughs) I wanted to see if you know. Uh, It's a small rocky island. Very good. Uh, You pass. Yeah, I passed your uh, vocabulary test (laughs) back in third grade. I like that a lot of the
0: Selkie stories actually use names of people, whether they're real or not, I don't know, but it definitely adds verisimilitude to the tales.
1: Yeah, you know, I like that as well. At least you could, in theory, look them up in the old history books and see if such a person actually existed. It reminds me of an old picture I saw. It was a slide, actually, that was shown at the Scottish Folklore Society meeting in like 1896. You know, something like that. How so? So it's a picture of an old lady sitting in front of her hut. She has some knitting gear or something and a shawl or maybe sealskin around her shoulders. It's kind of hard to tell because it's one of those old sepia-toned black and white photos from the turn of the century the last century millennials and zoomers, not the year 2000. Yeah, I guess we have to make that clear now. Damn, time be flying. (laughs) Crazy, right? So what's the deal with this lady? So this picture is of a woman named Bobby Urkelhart, a Shetland woman who was supposedly the great-great-granddaughter of a selkie. Nice. Did she have the webbed fingers and toes? That particular bit of information wasn't readily available, but you know, you'd have to guess so, right? Cool. Maybe she's my cousin or something. Dude, I know you've been claiming to be part Selkie since we started this podcast, but you're not even Scottish or Irish, and you don't possess webbed feet or hands. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's it's not the human side that matters. It's the SEAL side
0: of the family. So are you saying there are some German Selkies out there somewhere? (laughs) Hey, man, anything's possible. We're not that close to that side of the family anymore. You know, the lore is lost to history, but I'm totally fae.
1: Yeah, you're totally suspect, is what you are. All right, let's tell another story. So, look, I don't think we could say we did the subject justice without telling the tale of the Keneally's. Yes,
0: definitely. In fact, it was the Keneally family that was the subject of The Secret of Roninish, that masterpiece of cinema arts by John Sayles. Mm-hmm. Not a horror movie about were-seals. Don't listen to rock, dear listeners.
1: wear seals, seals.
0: <laughs> Hater.
1: <laughs> I just know quality, Max. And did you know Peter Jackson used forced perspective in the Lord of the Rings movies? And he got some of that inspiration from Darby O'Gill. Respect, son. I mean, I can respect that. All right. Shall we get into that story? Yes. Let's tell that story of the Kenealys
0: and the Seals. In olden times, perhaps 200 years ago, there was one family of Kenealys living in Erismore, very close to the sea. They had one son, a fine young man. On May Day each year, three seals used to come offshore on a very big flat rock that was high above the tide. There was a cave five or six yards deep at the back of the rock under a cliff. When the seals came up on the rock, each of them took off the hood that was tied about its neck and threw it into the cave behind them. And as soon as they took off the hoods, they became the three finest women that the sun ever shone upon and they would go out swimming. When they grew tired after swimming, they would come back onto the rock again. They would put on their hoods and immediately transform back into seals, return to the sea and disappear. Keneally used to watch them every May day when they came. He liked the youngest woman best of the three and wondered if he could ever get her. He was working in the field one day at the end of spring when he saw coming towards him a fairly old man whom he had never seen before. He spoke to the man, and they sat down to chat, each of them telling his own story. Keneally told about the three seals that used to come to the rock every May day, and he pointed it out. He told everything about what they used to do, when they came, until they dove into the sea again. There's one of them a lot nicer and more beautiful than the other two, he said. Sounds like you like her, said the old man. Indeed, said Keneally. I'm in love with her, but I have no chance of ever getting her. I have an idea of who they are, said the man. I've heard talk about them. What would you give to a person who could tell you the way to get what you want? I am just a poor man, said Keneally. All I could give you is my seven thousand blessings. That's a good reward, said the man. Here's what you must do. Next May day, hide in the cave that morning, and when they come to throw their hoods into it, put the youngest seal's hood inside your shirt, keep the other two in your hands. The three women will be screaming and wailing, asking for their hoods and saying their father will kill them if they aren't home by a certain hour in the evening. They're the daughters of the king of the sea. You mustn't give the youngest woman her hood, no matter how much screaming and complaining she does. Give the hoods to the other two, then walk towards your house, and the youngest will follow you. You must hide the hood in a place you'll never see it. If she does, she'll be gone before you know it. You may be sure I'll never let her find it, said Keneally. I love her too much for that." The old man then stood up and left him, and Keneally never laid eyes on him again until the day he died. Eventually, May Day came, and events transpired exactly as the man had said. The seals came up, threw their heads in the cave. Keneally hid the youngest one's hood in his shirt, trapping her, and no matter how she pleaded, he would not give it back, he just led her back to the house. She spent the night there, and they got married the next day. He hid the hood in the roof of the house, between the thatch and the sods, and they lived happily together and had five sons. But each day when he was out at sea fishing, she would weep. One day, while he was out fishing and she was working in the fields, she looked up and saw that the house was on fire. She ran back and called for help from the neighbors. The young men from the neighboring house got up on the roof and began throwing the burning thatch off the house. Of course, amongst the thatch, she saw her hood in the middle of it and snatched it up and immediately ran for the sea, changing to a seal and diving into the salty waves. Her sons tried to follow her, but could not find her. Keneally came home that evening to find a half-burned house and five hungry children weeping for their mother.
1: You know, Maxie, I gotta say, it's hard to feel sorry for Keneally. Yeah, I feel bad for the kids, though. True, man. You don't kidnap a bride, people. It's not the Bronze Age, y'all. Or even the Middle Ages. Hell, what age is this? Is this the selfie age? <laughs> An app title, I think. <laughs> max with that last quip i believe we are done so thanks for hanging out with max and myself during these trying times y'all it's much appreciated and if we could even take your mind off all the wacky stuff going on right now then our mission was accomplished 100 percent rock if you find folks want to support the podcast head on over to buymeacoffee.com
0: and search nightmares podcast for a delicious one-time donation so
1: rock and i can maintain our caffeine addiction it's much appreciated Also, we'd like to give a shout out to our latest patron, Diana. Diana, thank you so much. Speaking of Patreon, guys, we have that page up at patreon.com forward slash Nightmares Podcast. We'll continually add new content and tier start a buck a month for a shout out. And y'all can cancel any time. As we've said before, we've added Rock's Relaxing Reads, Max's Myth, and additional music by the great and powerful Teresa Joy. And speaking of the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy gives
0: us that amazing sound that so many of you have commented on. Mm -hmm. Find and follow her at Viobright on Facebook and Instagram, and check out her own
1: website at TeresaJoyMusic.com. And as we ask with every episode, y'all, head on over to whatever podcast you listen to us on and grant us that boon of that five-star review. Or heck, do us one better and take that 10 seconds out to write a review. Help get our podcast out there, y'all. It means so much.
0: Also, join us on all the social media. Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, Instagram. All that. We love hearing from y'all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like,
1: what you'd like to hear more of. Come on, talk to us, people. Please. Finally, head over to our own damn website at NightmaresPodcast.net and holler at your boys. We love to hear from y'all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be good to each other and sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.